Imagine a world that was suffering from war, plague, and an infestation of rodents. No, I'm not talking about modern day life, even though this description is applicable now. I am talking about the 1340s, when the world was dealing with the Hundred Years' War and the pestilence known as the Black Death. Yes, humanity was truly in a low point in its history as monarchs warred over a throne which led to factions fighting for power. Pair that with the most deadly pandemic humanity has ever faced, and it's easy to see why historians and anthropologists continue to study this era in humanity even to this day. Historians, to this day, are unsure how humanity managed to survive and rid itself of the Black Death. Humanity has never truly rid itself as cases continued to appear until the 1750s, with random cases popping up time and again, even into nowadays. Sorry, I, I, I fucked that up. Let me reread that sentence again. Humanity has never truly rid itself, as cases continued to appear until the 1750s, with random cases popping up time and again. Historians suspect that quarantines were a large reason for humanity surviving the Black Death at its worst. Now, why are we discussing an era in humanity's history? That's because of the game we are going to be discussing today. So everyone, welcome to another episode of Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we spoil games and the occasional movie. A game that has some scary parallels to the current climate of the world, it tells a fictionalized story of one of the darkest periods in human history. Mix that with the supernatural element of killer rats, and you get A Plague Tale Innocence. It is a game that I feel is underrated and worth everyone's time if you like cinematic storytelling mixed into a game with great stealth and intriguing combat. But before we get into the story of A Plague Tale Innocence, we have just a few quick announcements. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. I know that everyone in the world asks this question, but if you could please subscribe to the show, it really will help us a lot. Also, if you want more content from us after you're done with this episode, please head over to swordchomp.com where we have more podcasts for you to listen to, an article section where we write reviews and opinion pieces on gaming, a merch store that has multiple designs for your viewing leisure, and a lot more. Lastly, if you want to help us continue to make content in the foreseeable future, and be rewarded for it, the best way to do that is by heading over to patreon.com slash where you can find a lot of ways to keep our engines running while also getting rewarded. Okay, let me introduce you to the people whose lovely voices you will be hearing today. First, we have the man who kicked a French monarch in the genitals after they attempted to tell him to quote-unquote the proper way to enjoy a chocolate souffle. Mr. Joshua Fowler is here. Josh, how you doing, buddy? 
pretty good. Foot's a little sore still. It was mm. worth it, though. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, like, be damned if anyone's going to tell you how to eat chocolate. Exactly. And especially a souffle to boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you didn't appreciate it, but you know what? The thing is, you may be at the physical therapist time and again, but people who got the kick, they deserved it. Exactly. Yeah. But no, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad we're going to be talking about this game. Um, when, when did you first play this game? Um, at release, or, or shortly thereafter. So back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it's something that I remember you telling me and telling everyone else who would listen that this was a game that you need to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it... Uh... I, I, Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like it flew under a lot of radars when it came out. It did, yeah, and it's it still kind of is in some ways. I don't I don't know why. Like Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later, but um yeah, this game's amazing. I remember watching you stream it back in the day too. I remember I think it was like the second or third chapter when um the two characters are running through the street for the first time. Mhm. That's the part I actually remember you streaming very well. I still remember that to this day. All right. Because I love you and I care about you. <laughs> but no, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited to talk about this game with you, even though it's a few years late. I'm excited to get into it. Next, we have the exhausted newspaper reporter who is disgruntled that he has to write his 23rd straight article about people needing to quarantine to avoid contracting and distributing the Black Plague, Mr. Rich Meister. Rich, how sore is your wrist right now? It's it's pretty rough. I fucking blame Gutenberg and this goddamn printing press, honestly. Um, what does Steve Gutenberg have to do with this? Uh, Johann Gutenberg, and he hasn't been born yet, and the printing press doesn't exist yet. Um, oh, good point. But, uh, yeah, man, Plague Tale. Uh, weird patch of memories for me here, because I was late to the party on this one. But I, I absolutely fell in love with this game, and it is also one of the first games I reviewed for this website when we launched editorials. Yeah, and this was last year, right? Uh, yeah, time is a flat year, circle. Yeah, I think it was towards the end of last year. But um, yeah, I it's no, if anything, it was that... towards the end of 2019. Oh, really? Well, we didn't have editorials at that point. I can't again time is a flat circle I don't, I don't know time is a bitch very very profound words there but no I'm glad to talk about this game with you because yeah you were you were also telling me I need to play this game too and it was an awesome game so listen to both of you eventually took me getting COVID to do so but um I came around you bastard man I am a bastard man and last but not least, I am Shay Layton, the carcass cleaner, as I must clean up after the killer rats have had their way with the live humans. So from this point on, there will be spoilers. If you are concerned with getting spoiled on the game, please go play it and come back to listen when you have completed it. Because there is a lot that happened. It's a shorter game unless you plan to collect everything, so if you, if you want to wait, that's fine. But now. Turn the lights down low. Slip into something more comfortable. Grab a couple of macarons. And sip on an exquisitely flavored beverage as we tell you a tale by the fireplace. 
The game starts off in 1348. Amicia de, Amicia de Rune, a 15-year-old girl, lives with her family. Ooh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this right. I should have looked this up. Aquitaine, in France, which has been invaded by the English army during the Hundred Years' War. It's pronounced Aquafresh. <laughs> Terrible toothpaste. She and her father, Robert, are hunting in the forest with her dog, Lion. When Lion is suddenly attacked and consumed by an unknown entity. They return to their house to stay safe and report the happening to the guards. Amicia goes to talk with her mother, Beatrice, an alchemist who has been taking care of her five-year-old brother, Hugo, who has been sick since birth. She has locked herself and Hugo away as she has attempted to make a cure for her younger brother. Their estate is suddenly attacked by French Inquisition troops led by Lord Nicholas, the Black Knight who is looking for Hugo. The troops execute Robert and slaughter many of the family servants. Beatrice helps Amicia and Hugo escape, directing them to find a doctor named Laurentius. As they run away, Amicia thinks she sees her mother killed. The two children manage to escape to a nearby village and discover that the people of the village have been stricken by the Black Plague, which has been spread by voracious rats that come out at night and devour anything living in the dark. So let's start off with the usual softball question that will lead us into the discussion. Josh, since you played this game first between the three of us, can you remember at all your first impressions of the game and what was most notable for you in the intro? Hmm. Um. I feel like um, the intro, especially, is very cinematically focused. Just getting you from point A to point B, giving you a lot of story beats in quick succession, and uh, and also all the areas you're in are um, like they're not like just completely walking on a straight line or anything, but they're they're way more dialed back to kind of give you the, you know, a kind of a repeatable experience. I think it's kind of what they're going for to make sure everyone's getting getting this intro. A lot of onboarding. Yeah, paced, paced out really well for them. Um, and I think it worked pretty well. Um, I remember being pretty impressed by, uh, you know, how how they were telling the story at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, you were the second one to play. What were your first impressions? Yeah, I, I think I was thinking similarly to Josh um, in terms of it, it. it's a lot of onboarding and introducing you to a lot of the stealth mechanics in ways that are, are easy to pick up, how, how you're going to interact with Hugo and getting him over obstacles, stuff like that. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that, but like I think the first... The first like standout thing in this, this game to me, and this was a lot of the preview stuff, was this. But seeing it in action was just cool. Is like, man, those rats fucking mm-hmm. flow. Like, it's a weird thing to say, but it's like the watching the rats in action is kind of insane. Yeah, like they're they're crazy. Like, I did not expect the tech there for those rats, but it's cool. And boy, does it go places with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we're gonna get into. Yeah. Um, my first impressions were I was not expecting it to be as cinematic as it was. I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting more action. Not that it doesn't have action, but man, it was way more cinematic than I thought it was going to be. 
I was really gutted that Lion got killed so early on, to be honest with you. Um, the dog. Poor boy never saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was pretty bummed about that, because, like, the the way that that scene builds up is they're out hunting, and then the dog runs off, and Amicia is running after the dog, and you're like, oh, something's about to happen. And you just spend five minutes running after your dog, and then you know that dog's about to get fucking killed by something. And it, I expected it, and I still hated it. I don't Pour like seeing dogs die. Yeah. Absolutely hate that, but it makes sense. It makes sense to kind of prove a point of how incredibly powerful and um, voracious these rats are. So I did yeah. a good job of that. I think it onboards you really well. It gets you interested into what's happening. It builds a little bit of family um, dynamics there. You kind of, you get a, you get the picture really quickly of what this family is like. And that plays such a pivotal role into how Hugo and Amicia develop later on in the story. So I, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, kudos to the onboarding of this game. I think it did a, an exemplary job there. So yeah, let's get back to the story. Some of the villagers who have been infected attempt to attack the two children, blaming Hugo for the plague. They manage to escape and flee the town. They arrive at Laurentius's farm, but find him bedridden and ill after being bitten by a rat. Laurentius begs Amicia to continue the work of Beatrice, asking her to accept the help of Lucas, Laurentius's assistant. Seconds later, the farm is overrun with rats. Amicia, Hugo, and Lucas escape and plan to find Chateau d'Ambrage. I'd probably pronounce that incorrectly. I apologize. Which once belonged to the Darun family. They come across a battlefield littered with English soldiers. After making their way through, Lucas explains to Amicia that Hugo is infected with a supernatural evil called the Prima Macula which has lain dormant within noble bloodlines dating back to the plague of Justinian, the first plague dating back into the 540s. Both Laurentius and Beatrice were attempting to isolate a cure that would alleviate Hugo's symptoms. However, the Grand Inquisitor of France, the Talus Benevent, wants to capture Hugo and use his powers to rule France. After an unfortunate run-in with some soldiers where they are captured, they manage to escape with the help of Melly and Arthur, sibling thieves. Arthur is captured while Amicia, Hugo, and Melly escape to Chateau d'Ambrage. This is a period of time that I personally didn't know much about. A lot of this game is rooted in the history that I mentioned in the beginning, playing through the story where pieces of human history are constantly referenced did either of you have extensive knowledge of this period in time, and did it prompt you to do some research on your own? Rich, I'm going to start with you on this. I would not go as far as to say extensive. That's a very surface level. Like, um, I am very much a history nerd when it comes to certain pockets of history. Um, it's something I consider going to school for at a certain point, but I have nowhere near what I would call an extensive knowledge on this uh, period. I recall reading a lot of stuff at the time because when I am playing or watching something that is a period piece, I tend to get a little more fascinated. Like that part of my brain gets tickled and I, I tend to do a little bit of reading. Yeah. So, I mean, 
when you were playing this game, you did look into more of the history of this yeah era. i I was sort of looking up like I ended up looking up a lot of statistics about like how the Black Plague devastated Europe and stuff like that, um which is fucking like it it's weird that we yeah. don't talk about that in a major way because it's fucking insane, yeah, yeah like it's, it's yeah, go ahead, Josh, yeah, no, like it, like it we know it happened from school, but like just the sheer devastation of yeah, it we is footnote it completely. On- unreal it killed a third of europe and it's like a footnote in uh history class mm-hmm. when you're when you're a kid yeah, yeah. kind of crazy and you'd think that maybe curriculum would update considering the current world situation but oh well you know. no because then it will be way harder to downplay this 20 years from now mm-hmm. fair point josh <laughs> did you have a lot of knowledge of this um, time period and did it cause you to research this era at all i was in a similar boat where like i kind of knew broad strokes what was going on in europe at the time um but i mean i looked up a little bit of it because a lot of times with historical fiction like this i'm 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 atrocious at names and so a lot of times with things like this i have a hard time remembering Keeping like, track key of who's players, a real like okay, is is this based on a real person or not? And so, yeah. like going back through and being like, okay, no, these were completely made up, and okay, this one's a real person or real place name, and so I, I have to do that a lot because I'm just I'm I'm horrible with names, and that kind of helps me get more of a grasp on what's completely unique for for something I mean, like that. That's the best part of Assassin's Creed games. It's one of the few video games where they managed to end it with you fighting the actual Pope on top mm-hmm. of the Vatican. Exactly. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I didn't have much knowledge of this uh, time period, essentially. Kind of similar to you guys. I barely heard about it in school. Didn't know much about it. And it got me interested, for sure. I was kind of curious to learn more about the Black Plague, to learn more about the Hundred Years' War, which I didn't know anything about the Hundred Years' War, to be honest with you. That's from Final Fantasy. Oh, okay. I actually looked up Prima Macula because I was curious about that. That doesn't exist, of course. But I was curious maybe if it was a fictitious disease that maybe in the past people believed to be true. No. Um, it's made up for the game exclusively and for the plot. But yeah, I, I, I didn't know much and I, I wanted to learn more. So I started reading articles about the Black Plague. There's some recent pieces and some um, journals and some different publications that actually relate black black plague to now and compare some of the plagues and throughout human history and talk about how they compare in terms of what people did similarly and contrast and the general public's attitude and how people operate. It's really interesting to kind of look in just how maybe a hundred years or 600 years, how similar some things were like quarantining and how different some things are, like the public perception of what people are being asked to do. A lot of people really don't, fascinating. A, a lot of people don't know, but back then, like the king was out there, and he was like, "A lot of people are worried about this black plague, but I know plenty of people, young people, strong people. They bounce back from it, and they're fine. They're better than ever. It's unbelievable. The old, the weak, that's who's dying. You're gonna be fine." <laughs> 
Oh, that king sounds so familiar. I just can't quite put my finger on it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just that's what he sounded like. But it wasn't yeah, actually French. a reenactment there. That was that was recorded. Yeah, soundbite. We found yeah. a soundbite. Yeah. Wow. The the lengths we go to to be as authentic as we can within Sword Chomp you know, just never <laughs> ceases to amaze me. As the gaming historian, I, I have to be the one to do the oh, research. Oh, fuck you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, I have a whole show about it now, Shay. I've got some credibility. Right, let's get back into the story. <laughs> Please. Um... <laughs> Lucas tasks the group with finding a book called Sanguinis in Itinera, again, bad pronunciation, which will help him complete an elixir to help Hugo. Amicia goes to the university, a place filled with inquisitors, to retrieve the book. Meli goes off to rescue her brother. While recovering the book, Amicia comes across a young blacksmith named Roderick, who has been captured. Amicia frees him, and the two escape together. They return to the chateau, where Amicia reunites with Arthur. He tells her that Beatrice, her mother, is still alive. Amicia does not want to give false hope to Hugo, and tells them not to tell him, but he overhears the conversation. Enraged, his symptoms worsen as a result. Amicia and Lucas return to the Darun estate to pour through Beatrice's research to look for anything to help them save Hugo. So Amicia is in a constant struggle as she tries to figure out how to treat her little brother, one that she didn't grow up knowing. In one moment, she is telling him to go through a small hole in a gate alone to unlock a door, putting him in great danger. In another moment, she is hiding important information about their mother. Now, Josh, did you enjoy the feeling of their disjointed relationship throughout the game? And how it comes together, was that interesting for you? I think they did a pretty good job with it. The the whole hiding information from someone because you're protecting them or whatever, I feel is a fairly played, overplayed trope in a lot of yes. writing. Um, but I still feel like just kind of given their dynamic and a lot of the strained sibling relationship of them, you know, because, um, it's because Hugo is kind of kept away from the world. Um, and they get even you know, a slight resentment. Growing up sick and everything. Yeah, there's just, it, it, it's strained beforehand and it kind of feels like she's learning what sort of stuff he can handle or not because she's always kind of seen him as just this completely babied kid who can't handle anything. Um, mm. And so it like, it, it, it feels like it works better than I've seen it done before. Cause like, I kind of get tired of that sort of, you know, that plot device. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean like the thing is though, Josh, how else are they going to get Hugo to go where he goes next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did not see that coming. Yeah, did not see that. You're never going to believe what happens next. Mm-hmm. Right after this. Right after these messages. Uh, 
Cigarettes for children? That's right. Cigarettes for the youngins. Smoke them if you got them, Johnny. No Sweetums Child Brand Cigarettes. Unfiltered. All right. And we're back from that. And you now you're never going to believe what happens next after this break. No, I'm just I kidding. don't know what that bit but, was. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you ran with it. That's all I yeah. wanted. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted. All I expected. That's all I ever expected. But um, Rich, how did you feel about their disjointed relationship? Um, similarly to Josh, I, I think they get across what they need to in, in the right ways. As he said, that whole, like, I was, you know, keeping it from you to protect you is a very tropey. But I think some of the more nuanced stuff, which is fun, is like that there's sort of like a bubbling resentment even under the surface from, like, in the opposite direction of what you'd expect of, like, her sort of feeling this, like, she doesn't have a relationship with her mother because of Hugo. Because her mother's mm-hmm. entire life is trying to cure her son's ailment. And that also lends to this picture in her head. If she doesn't know her brother very well, she just thinks of him as this fragile thing that she has to protect because her parents are gone. Um, and watching that relationship evolve is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of cool to see it. In, like, how it starts and where it goes. Because... Yeah, she she's never really known her brother for the five years since he was born. And then suddenly she has to be the sole caretaker of him. And all she's heard her whole life is he has this, this sickness that keeps him from going out. And so she has these greater worries about, you know, protecting him. But then there are moments where she has to kind of bend her personal um, idea of what that means, for example, when they're trying to escape the villagers chasing after them, and she's like, you need to go under this gate and fucking unlock this door so we can get out of here. And it's like, there could be people on the other side. She doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. But she's willing to put him in harm's way. Well, it also becomes that layer of like, if we stay here, we definitely die. (laughs) If you go over there, maybe we make it out. Right, exactly. You know, it's just... And it's it's not it doesn't speak to a greater thing that she's willing to do that you know it's not like some profound um, realization there or anything but it's interesting to see how how she starts to try and be kinder to Hugo and tries to treat him more as like a human being and her brother like mm-hmm. at, like she she starts out and it kind of seems like a burden to her. And she also seems just completely out of her element, overwhelmed, as anybody would in that situation. So it's cool to see that that relationship ends up developing into what it does, which we're going to continue to talk upon here. But Mm -hmm. I was curious about it because I was thinking about it as I was writing this and obviously when I played it in my foggy brain during COVID. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Amicia and Lucas find Beatrice's hidden laboratory where they finish the elixir. They return to the chateau and give it to Hugo. He starts to feel better, but still angry, he runs away to the Inquisition to find and rescue Beatrice alone. He is unfortunately captured. Vitalis extracts some of Hugo's blood and injects it into himself so he can also possess the power of the macula. However, Due to the elixir coursing through Hugo's veins, 
Vitalis doesn't get the full power. So this is where the story starts to become a little bit batshit crazy (laughs) as we see an ailing religious leader in the Inquisition relentlessly pursuing a five-year-old, capturing him, extracting his blood, and then injecting it into himself. Rich, I know that you are a huge fan of crazy plot lines and story beats. In general, how does this stack up in terms of some of the crazier story beats you've experienced? And specifically, do you feel like where this one goes is earned and rewarding? This is some Metal Gear bullshit, and it is insane, and I fucking love it. I knew it. I I knew it. I did not think this is where this game would go at all when I started it. And I love it. I cannot wait for us to talk about that last boss. It is the stupidest Mm -hmm. bullshit in the world. And I love every second of it. Like, oh, my God. It's crazy. It makes no. It jumps from like (laughs) this, like grounded, like maybe a little bit supernatural period piece into. Some witchcrafty nonsense and. Saying it's earned or not, I don't know, is hard to say because I do I do think it earns it. Like it takes itself seriously enough, but is also unapologetically dumb at points in a way I really respect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Now, I, I devised that quick question specifically for you, Rich, knowing your <laughs> your choices and your desires. Josh, I have a question for you too, but we gotta read a little bit more story to get there. So bear with me for a second, Josh. All right. Hugo escapes and makes his way to Beatrice while they are silently moving throughout the Inquisition. Beatrice reveals to Hugo that the power of the macula gives him control of the rats. <gasps> they are recaptured by Vitalis, who threatens to kill Beatrice, Gasp. fully awakening Hugo's powers. After a month of constant searching for her brother, Amicia is sad and exhausted. Suddenly, the chateau is attacked by the largest swarm of rats they've ever seen and guided by Hugo. Hugo is still enraged that Amicia lied to him. Nicholas, the Black Knight, kills Arthur and orders Hugo to have the rats devour his sister. Amicia pleads with Hugo to forgive her and turn on the Inquisition so they can rescue their mother. He turns, and they defeat Nicholas with the help from the rats. So I'm going to jump ahead in this question just a little bit for the sake of conversation, Josh. But between the death of Nicholas and deposing Vitalis as the leader of the Inquisition, which did you find more satisfying, and why? (laughs) Uh... Mm. I can go first if you want a moment to think. I don't. I. I that that Vitalis fight is really good. It is very good, but I fucking hated. And as you're supposed to by design, I hated both of those characters. Uh, who yeah. like? No, I don't hate. Let me reword that. I hate them. I love who they are in the game, but I hate them by design. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I especially hated Lord Nicholas. He was just... Vitalis was just like, 
you you hate him by design, but also you really love him because he's just so batshit crazy. Over the top, Nicholas, stupidly insane. Yes, Nicholas was just the, he, the he fucking feel, brute. He, he's he's Boba Fett. Yes, he, it's it, he's a Boba Fett character. There's nothing to him, but like he's just he's the suit of armor. It's kind of yes. his whole deal. Um, that is exactly the Lord how Nicholas it fight out. was the first one where I was like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's good for what it is, but it, uh, yeah, like it's, it, he feels intentionally kind of one note. So you don't feel like this is the end when you know, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So which, which one's the more re- rewarding conclusion? Oh, the, the last, the last one, that Vitalis fight is the one with the one. rat tower. That's one oh, of my I'm favorite going. bosses. Just, just wait, we're getting yeah. there. Is intentional, intentionally vague, intentionally vague. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, kinda. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that is vague. What, what does that it's mean? It's vague yeah, enough that point. you hear me say that, and you're like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And now you have to stay tuned to find out. Mm-hmm. Nah, fair point. Right after these messages, <laughs> lucky brand cigarettes. <laughs> Look at little Johnny over there putting another filter in his mouth and your lighting ba- it up. Your son's lungs need nicotine for science reasons. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've been doing studies and we have found that if your little Johnny smokes a cigarette once a day, he will improve his mental capacity by 27%. Coming this so, summer, how much better would it be if he smoked a pack a day? Coming this <laughs> summer from Lucky Yum. Cigarettes for women? <laughs> hey, we, we found we found a nice conclusion to the bit from earlier. Mm-hmm. We found it. I'm proud of us. It was fun. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Amicia, Hugo, Melly, Lucas, and Roderick decide to confront and defeat Vitalis, each driven by their own desires to see him taken down. They fight their way to the bastion, but are trapped by a firing line of archers. Roderick pushes a cart, and to shield the others from the onslaught of arrows. They all make it to the entrance to the bastion, but Roderick is perforated by multiple arrows. He slumps against the gate, telling the group that they must succeed. He passes. So you may be wondering why I gave a little extra detail to this death. To be honest, the way he died fucked me up. I don't know exactly why, but I felt really sad when the scene happened. Mm -hmm. Did it bother you guys at all, or is it just me? Nah, thinking back, I think it's definitely impactful, because Roderick is just a... He's really, like, I don't think he, like, is majorly standout in any way, but he's just really likable. Because he just seems very yes. genuine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I sure str- I like. So, for those of you who don't listen to our main podcast, who who are just listening to this, I had COVID back midway through August, and it was pretty rough on me. And I had nothing to do, so I watched a lot of TV and I played a lot of video games. I think I played and beat four or five video games during that time. And this game I had always been eyeing. It had been on my Game Pass queue for quite some time, and I just never made time for it. Well, when I got COVID, I was like, I have all the time in the world, so I'm going to play this. And I just sat on my couch for a few days playing this game, and 
when I got to that point, you know it's coming. It's like the music starts to get very melodramatic and somber as Roderick is pushing this cart. And notably, I will say the pacing in this particular part fucking sucks because you know it's coming. But that is the hardest part in the game is because you have these people firing at you from the side. So you have to stay behind the cart and you have to go down this set of stairs and back up and you have people coming from behind you. So you have to be able to walk with the cart and shoot everybody at the same time and not make sure and make sure Roderick doesn't get killed because they are trying to attack you and Roderick. And I had to restart that part five or six times until I got it. Yeah, it's a and tough so part. It's like, I remember that taking me a few tries as well. Like it, something yeah. should have been tweaked there. They really mm-hmm. make a fucking meal out of it. They, well, they do because like they're they're basically walking you to Roderick's death. But then you, but then you die, and you're like, oh, okay, Roderick's gonna die. Okay, I died. Okay, Roderick's gonna die. I'm gonna die. Yeah, um, they couldn't signpost it any more than if, like, right before you start pushing the cart, Roderick was like, "What could possibly go wrong?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's find out on the next episode of Lucky Stripes Z. But um, yeah, in all seriousness, the way he dies too, like you get there, and then like he he falls down, and he's just like he's slumped against the gate, and his face is just pushed against the bars, and like, oh fuck, it fucked me up, dude. Mm-hmm. I was so sad. I want like I I had tears welling in my eyes, and I was like, "Why am I getting so sad about this character?" And I, uh, yeah, it just really bothered me more than I thought it would. And maybe maybe it's because uh, of COVID, and I was feeling emotional. Maybe it's the way the presentation of his death. I don't know, but it really got to me. Hmm. So uh, I was orig- originally going to have us have a moment of silence for Roderick, but. Uh, I feel like I'd be the only one who appreciates that. So we're going to have three seconds of silence for Roderick. All right. And Rich, you're fired. So next. <laughs> just I don't know if you could do that. I can't. God damn it. All right. Last little bit. We're doing the mad dash to the end. So brace yourself. Because uh, the wackiness is being turned up to 10. Vitalis is waiting for the crew. He greets them with thousands of white rats that only he can control. Rats against rats. Macula power against macula power. Vitalis versus Amicia and Hugo. They finally face off. Hugo and the rats eventually overwhelm Vitalis and his white rat army. Killing Vitalis. Three days later, There is no trace of the rats or the plague, and life begins to return to normal. Many people are afraid of Hugo, steering clear of him. Melly parts ways with the group, fearing Hugo and also still being angry at him for his part in the death of Arthur. Amicia, Hugo, Lucas, and an ailing Beatrice leave on a horse cart to search for a new place to live. And that's the end. So, one aspect of this game that I adore is how all of these characters come together to help each other and survive. One of the themes of the game is unity. How powerful was this theme for you as you played through and experienced the story, Rich? Yeah, um, I think that whole like idea of found family and that, that sort of thing is very present here. 
and again a lot of the marketing for this stuff didn't make that stuff clear and i i think it, it works better for it because you take a little time to get to know these characters and all of them are really fun like i i think they're all likable in their own way mm-hmm. and the way they sort of have to find a, a place to rely on each other and become that found family is it feels really organic like if you had to fight the the evil rat pope with your friends you'd be bonded for life yeah absolutely josh did the did the themes of this uh the specific theme of unity resonate with you at all um yeah yeah i mean um i don't know i kind of i i don't know i was felt like there's a whole lot i mean yes the the family aspects like rich was saying um were there kind of with the found family but i felt like i don't know a lot more of it was kind of about understanding your your own family but i don't i don't know if that's that different really or not but mm-hmm. um, i don't know just kind of the work that can be but it being worth it and whatnot but um differentiation deviation from the norm will be punished unless it is exploitable uh-huh. the same <laughs> message is rudolph the red-nosed reindeer exactly <laughs> uh one thing i'd say about this is i really like that um the the reason why I compare it to this uh is because I think it's another cinematic very sim- cinematic game is um the first last of us where you, it's it's similar in that you're tasked with taking care of Ellie mm-hmm. as Joel a character you have no kind of reference point with and you grow to bond with this these two characters grow to bond but that journey felt very isolated I mean, you you run into a few people along the way here and there, but it's a very isolated journey. Where this game, you were meeting new people, they were all helping each other, and they had one common goal, different motivations for it. And it was was a cool telling, because I felt like it fits, the, the theme of Unity fits so well with kind of what's happening in this period piece. You have a hundred years war, you have people dying um, from this inquisition on top of that you have people dying from this plague so everything's pitted against these people to just be isolated and stay to themselves yet they don't and it ends up being a benefit for them and it's kind of juxtapositioned with a character you meet much earlier in the game in the first village you meet an older lady who takes in amicia and hugo and she's been isolated uh, for an undisclosed amount of time and she's an old lady but that's what they have to do because of the plague and so she's basically on her own and she's like i'm happy to help you guys you know of course i'd be willing to help and it it was kind of cool to see and like i'm trying my best to not keep it to relate it to the current day even though i want to in some regards is that it was cool to see even if it's fictionalized a story where such terrible shit is happening and there's no reason for people to trust each other that this group of people found a way to trust each other and to survive together despite their differences, despite their different motivations to, to accomplish a common task and one that was really important for that time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, hmm. I don't know. I kind of, I read it similarly, but I still, I, I don't know. I feel like somewhere between your and Rich's take on it with the whole found family thing, 
mm. and and Unity as a whole, because um, I feel like a lot of those characters that do end up coming together are people that no one trusted. Um, there's a lot of hints kind of thrown out. It's Outca- a short it section. Is, yeah, a, a lot of outcasts. A lot of outcasts. The, the old lady who helps out, there are a lot of hints thrown out in that little section that she's either a witch or people think she's a witch. Right. Um, like, these are, these are people that no one trusts. No one's, no one's going to, you know, allow them into their group, and they kind of come together and, you know, to get stuff done, to to fix this, because no one else is going to do that. I mean, um, Josh, right. it's medieval Europe. This elderly woman lives alone and doesn't bother anyone. What am I supposed to do? Not accuse her of being a witch? I mean, that's a good point. Make good points, Rich. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. If she wasn't like a witch, then why did her husband die of natural causes? <laughs> Something we just will never know. Yeah, we don't have answers to these questions. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. we do. It's because she's a witch. <laughs> a witch! Besides the wonderful character development and pacing of the game, one of the reasons why I personally was so engrossed by the story was due to the voice acting. Because of their performances, I cared way more about the characters than I normally do. So for you guys, and I'm going to throw it to you first, Josh, what was one of the main reasons why you cared so much about what happened to these characters? No, I think that's absolutely a big part of it. Uh, The voice acting in this game is is excellent. It's it's really solid. They did a good job of... uh, Again, this is a smaller budget game for the most part but yeah but they were able to use that money to get still get people who knew what they were doing um with with this voice acting with um like a lot of the animations are really good with it like they're they're used economically like this is not some game with you know just like insane amounts of animation work and whatnot but what is there is is used really well and they you know know to spend it where it matters on the rats. Um, yes, on the rats, exactly. Um Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's I I I was just blown away with Hugo's voice actor. I want to I want to mention that really quickly. Yeah. I yeah. was surprised at how good he was. It's super hard to get um I think for the most part. I think uh we think about 2018 God of War was one of the examples that worked for me like child voice actors who can pull out a performance that is not just, like, inherently annoying. And I think it it's not, not in, like, film or anything, really, that I think that happens a lot. I think it tends to happen in games because of the nature of, like, these sort of escort mission characters, the way they're designed. Mm-hmm. And I do think Hugo and Atreus are two examples of, like, characters like that that really work for me. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, like... Yeah, and even Ellie back in 2013 would have been another example of that Yeah, as well. it definitely falls into that mm-hmm. camp, yeah. and again, but, works really well, uh, despite yeah. the stuff working against it. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like, recently I've been playing Tales of Arise, and sometimes you run into characters there, and, like, the kid's like, I was doing the thing the other day, and you're just like, shut the fuck up. Like, and poopy. you're not even meaning to think that, but you're like, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not the voice actor, actress's fault per se they're doing what they're being asked to do you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. um not to not to shit on any voice actors or actresses it's just what is expected of them but with this game it's not just hugo is everybody every single voice actor even even lord nicholas in his uh best batman impression 
they they all did their jobs very well. I can't believe they made me care jail. about French people. <laughs> you yeah. made me care. Now I care. Yeah. But Rich, what was what was a quality or characteristic that really made you care about these characters? I think this sort of bleeds into like the voice casting performance. Um a lot of them are just genuinely endearing and like the performance reflects like that aspect of like you can be endeared to them really, really quickly because it comes off as genuine, like this plight and the right. struggle and the mm-hmm. frustrations of the situation they've been cast into it. And a lot of it does just boil down to that great performance by all the actors involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about the voice acting of this game. It really is sublime. And actually, the fact that you had mentioned that, Richard, made me think that's probably one of the reasons why I liked God of War, the 2018 God of War, so much is because of the voice acting performances in the, that game yeah. are also that amazing. Is, it, 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 it's similarly like those two leads just play off each other so well. And, and like that was the first thing I think of when I think of like, oh, are, are voice actors going to be annoying? Like child voice actors playing this role going to be annoying was... There's only one time in God of War 2018 where Atreus feels annoying, and he's 100% supposed to be. Like, Kratos is supposed to be a moment away from being like, you need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's... A lot of times, it feels like kids in games are... Written poorly. Really, really being written down at. Yes. And, And the writing in here feels... Like they they feel like their own characters. They like they they are really consistently um, written. Like it's it like you can you can get a real sense of their inner lives. It's not just a matter of oh, of course it's a kid. That's what they're gonna do. Sort of, and you know, a, a lot of that disconnect I think comes from a character like Hugo, a five year old is written like a five-year-old. I feel like the mistake a lot of games make are they write like a ten-year-old, like they're a fucking Mm five-year-old. And it comes across as annoying. Yes. Yeah. Like, he's supposed to be young, and if anything, he's written to to feel a little older. Like, yes, he's very much more mature than, like, like you're saying, like, half the time you get teenagers who sound like they're written to be younger than yeah than like him. a lot of the time it comes across of like have you ever spoken to a child mm-hmm. but like it's handled very well here and it it shows it shows yes yeah yeah very very much appreciative of the efforts that they went into creating genuine interaction between the characters but also allowing the voice actors and actresses to flex their chops in mm-hmm. a positive and an influential way. Totally. So, yeah. Two more questions and then we'll get you guys out of here. We, as in we, will get ourselves out of here. Uh, what is your guys' excitement like level for Requiem, the sequel slated for 2022? I'm very excited. I, I was ne- never expecting this game to get a sequel. I, I can't wait to see where they go with it, what they do with these characters. And I'm hopeful that they're, you know, now in a good place to spend more money on this sequel and make it more impressive. Yeah, yeah, like I they they do a sort of open-ended ending. Yeah, like this this could be the it's sort of like a Matrix 1 ending, like, oh, this is the full story, but 
now they could go off and do anything sort now of a we feel could go make to, a worse story yeah to to you know, like um it feels like it, it could absolutely go anywhere from where they left it there are still obviously questions like why did the rats you know disappear and what is actually going on with that mark and everything and the hundred years war that's yeah like there's a lot going on i mean the the obvious answer to the rats is that, that the left. white rats and black rats the, the white rats are actually anti-rats and so whenever they get in close proximity to each other they destruct so yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah there are a lot of questions here that like doesn't that don't necessarily need to be answered but if they approach it in an interesting way and i i'm willing to give them credit they did such a good job with the first one that i think yeah it'll be interesting to reopen those questions or to open those questions back up and answer them Mm -hmm. um random side question do you guys think melly will return in the sequel Mm. i think there's definitely potential they set that up in an almost antagonistic fashion. I think it'd be a little weird if she didn't in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it kind of... It feels very I, deliberate, I, the way it was left. Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know. This is wild speculation, but I kind of got the feeling from that character that she could show up as an antagonist for all yeah. of five minutes before they fix, you know, their their issues and kind of, you know resolve some of the the real vegeta hurt story. in that you know relationship so it, it yes. uh i don't know that's again wild speculation but i kind of got the feeling that, 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 that there's space for the character to go in that direction so i feel like there's room for there her is. to be played off by like a, a bigger villain who's exploiting her insecurities and her feelings about what happened it, mm-hmm. she she has potential to become someone's pawn yeah yeah yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited for the sequel. Um, I know it was announced. It was announced at E3 this year, right? Or was that last year? Time is a flat circle. It, exactly, it was that's this, why. this year, but yeah. Was it E3 or is it some other? I'm pretty sure it was E3. Probably E3. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was E3. I'm not sure. But when it was announced, I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't expect that sequel. And then I played the game, and I'm like, now I really want that sequel. So. Yeah. Very excited. Very, very excited. Um. The last question is customary around here, as you guys know, and for those of you who are listening, who have listened before, you know this is our final question. Um, I asked the guys, would you guys recommend this game? I think you know all our answers, but this is also a sneaky way to kind of sum up our thoughts on the game as well. So um, I'm going to pass it off to you first, Josh, because you are the first one who played it. Uh, I, I, yes, like you said, it's, I think it's fairly obvious at this point. I would absolutely recommend this game. Um, we didn't get too much into some of the gameplay going on there. It's kind of, it's got some stealth focus, stealthy sort of gameplay with it that, um, if you are really not a fan of the genre, it might be a bit much, but I, I think there's enough story that's worth going through here that even if you're not, I, I, I'd still it's also Consider not it. insanely challenging. I, I don't think it's like insurmountable yes. stealth, even if you're not particularly good at stealth games. Yes. Yeah, but I would absolutely recommend it, even if you're not the biggest fan of the genre, unless it's just something you really, really can't do. But And it's not always pure stealth. I, the, the puzzle stuff is fun. Yes. Yeah, a, yeah, a lot. It feels, it feels a whole lot more like early stealth, like, you know, yes. MGS 1 and 2 era, like, very puzzly type stealth stuff going on. Yeah. 
not the super simulation type stealth that we've been getting more of since then. So that's true. Yeah. Okay. Rich, would you recommend the game? Uh, hell yeah. This is uh, this one is again like I said I was late to the party on it much like you Shay. Um, and it surprised the hell out of me. Like I thought it had potential, obviously, mostly in a sense of like looking at the tech when I first saw this game. But um, it is a well-written, well-acted, fun game. Like it surprised the hell out of me, and I, I ended up really, really enjoying my time with it. Cool. Um, did you guys want to mention the Rat Tower before I give my <laughs> final? Fuck yeah! The go for it. That last boss fight is ridiculous. Um. We talked about the white rats and the black rats, and it's literally, like, two rat psychic people fighting each other. Like, there's insane amounts of rats, and you're throwing tidal waves of rats and towers of rats at each other. It's nonsense. It's so good. It's one of my favorite bosses. It was one of my favorite bosses of the years. It's one of my favorite bosses since then. It's such a unique experience. It's a fun boss just on its own mechanical merits. It's so good. When they were designing it, I like to imagine they went into a room to one of the devs and were like, we need you to design the final boss. No idea is too stupid. (laughs) Josh, did you mention that back in the day during uh, 2019 Game of the Year, the Sorchon Game of the Year Awards? Did you mention that boss fight? I can't remember. I think it came up. I'm not trying to remember all of 2019. And what came out? You probably didn't advocate year. hard for it, considering you would have been the only one who. Played I would have it. been the only one who played it, so it's not it's not the sort of thing that I I would have mentioned it and then not brought it back up because of yeah. I'll have to go it's, listen. It's, like, it's not a fight you're going to win, so there's no point yes. in going claws out. Exactly. I, I had this like super vague feeling that you brought it up, and I was like, that sounds like a cool ass boss. I want to support yeah. Josh, and I've got my notes like... over there somewhere. I could look it up, but. Then you listen back to that podcast, and you hear yourself be like, Josh, that's dumb as hell. That sounds stupid, and I hate it. <laughs> and I hate you. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy boss fight. Um, as I said at the beginning, this is a wonderful game. Highly, highly underrated. I absolutely recommend it to anybody who is a fan of any kind of cinematic gameplay, whether it's Uncharted, Last of Us, things of that ilk. You're going to love this game. Um, the, the voice acting in this game is top notch. Uh, the stealth and the mechanics are fun. Absolutely. Um, the story goes, as you just heard into an interesting place. And I really enjoyed the journey that, um, I went on with this game a lot. So yeah, can't recommend this game enough. And, um, as Rich said, if you are interested in, if we, you didn't get enough of the game from this talk, uh, Rich wrote his first review not on my first. the site at com about it. So you can go read about it. If you like written form and you just want to devour more content of this game. So that's going to wrap it up, though. Uh, this is a fantastic game. It's on Game Pass. You can play it there. Um, I believe it's on pretty much pretty much everything at this any... point, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is it still on Game Pass? Yes. Okay. Just verifying. Yeah. 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 Uh, it should be on all the PlayStation or the PS4, PS5. It was free uh, for PS Plus at one point recently. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was actually back in August it was, or July. And then I believe it's available on both of the Xbox consoles as well. I don't think it's available on Switch, unfortunately. It is but... not, yeah. 
should be able to get a hold of it if you have a console or a PC at this point. There are That's plenty the of places to play it, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm really excited for the sequel. We all here are very excited. And uh, this was an awesome episode. I've been wanting to do this ever since I played the game a month and a half ago. And I'm really glad we finally got around to it. I've been sitting on the script for a little while. I wrote, I wrote it pretty much coming out of COVID. So I've been waiting to do this, and I'm really glad we got to finally do it. So The Plague um, Tale, the squeakle. The... <laughs> <laughs> god damn it the fucking squeakle um yeah and just like to give you you who is listening kind of heads up we definitely have some um we have some shows coming up soon we have plans for new episodes of chomping after dark we're gonna be not necessarily in this order we're gonna be doing psychonauts 2 dodgeball academia we're going to be doing eastward and we're going to be looking at doing Squid Game and possibly, well, the last Ronin will be next year, I believe. But um, I think we're going to be doing those four here very soon. Hell so, yeah. Excited. That's, uh, that's some content. And by this time, you will have heard the, the episode that just recently dropped, Ender Lilies, where Josh and I talked with Bebop about that brilliant game, another super underrated game this year. So, um. Enough of the admin shit. Let's get you guys out of here. Uh, as in you guys, the hosts, and you guys, the listeners. Thank you so much for listening, checking out the show. Please play the game if you haven't. We love you. You're the best. Take care, and see you next time. <laughs>